0: Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.
1: What happens when people have alien abduction experiences and then their furniture starts flying around the house? Where can experiencers find help? What is the Mutual UFO Network?
2: Hello and welcome to the 1,008th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno coming to you from W O O N A M AM and FM Radio in Woonsocket, Rhode Island on the Paranormal Radio app from TalkStream Live and on YouTube. I'm Ben and that was Paul. And today uh, we bring you a distinguished guest on an unusual approach to an old subject. Earl Grey Anderson is the Mutual UFO Network's State Director for Southern California and is MUFON's Chief Investigator there as well. He appears regularly in the media, including the Travel Channel's Storming Area 51 special and on the lecture circuit. He serves as MUFON's star team and experiencer resource team. Um, Earl is uh, also a composer and recording artist uh, based in Los Angeles, half of the uh, Piper Gray artistic duo. Two of Earl's uh, songs appear in the indie Australian film Gas Coin, uh, directed by Peter McGinnis.
1: Earl Gray-Anderson, welcome back to Behind the Paranormal.
0: Hi there, you guys. Uh, I, I have to get you an updated bio.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm no longer chief investigator. I'm state director, and I, I have a, a new chief investigator that I uh, assigned, you know, that title to, uh, Gino Marigolano.
2: Oh, ah, well, well, fair enough. Now we <laughs> now, now we know. <laughs> so. Yeah. So I guess speaking of, of MUFON, um, what is the Mutual UFO Network, for those who do not know?
0: Um, we are the oldest private uh, UFO investigatory group in the world. Um, when the Air Force closed the doors on Project Blue Book, their official uh, investigation of UFOs, or so-called uh, official investigation into UFOs. Uh, we think it was more them trying to shuffle the whole whole thing under the really uh in retrospect. But uh in nineteen sixty nine they closed their doors and MUFON opened theirs. It's the Mutual UFO network. Started as the Midwest uh UFO network and then uh we wound up going uh nationwide and, and now worldwide as well we have representatives uh in in Britain and in England and in, in Canada um, all around the world so uh anyway the way that mufon works is is that if you go to mufon.com uh if you've seen a ufo or you have had an anomalous experience with uh with an anomalous entity which we can talk about a little bit Uh, If you go to MUFON.com, it it gives you a choice to report a UFO or report an entity sighting. Uh, You can go and click on either of those buttons, and it will allow you to write uh, out what happened, where it happened, when it happened. And someone like myself or one of my team members will uh, be assigned that case. We'll call you, we'll talk with you, and uh, we'll investigate your case scientifically as possible. Um, you can't really use the scientific method per se with ufology because you can't really repeat an experiment. You can't snap your fingers and, and cause a UFO to reappear. But uh, taking all the criteria and, and 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 just all the various uh but well, we look for markers from case to case to case. Anyway, it's kind of what MUFON does. Okay.
1: Uh, we are not joiners, but I have to say that uh, having been very impressed with MUFON for many years, I joined it many years ago. And uh, most recently, of course, in the last few years, I've been honored to uh, been asked to serve on the Experience Resource Team, as you do, so, what is the ERT, and how does it help people?
0: Uh, I think of the ERT as kind of Mufon's compassionate wing. Um, we're not there so much to investigate uh, people's experiences as we are there to um, to listen. We're we're unjudgmental listeners, and we have resources for people. There are support groups for those who have had anomalous contact because people can get PTSD. Uh, there, there's, uh, Dr. John Mack, who was a, a Harvard scientist, spoke of it uh, as ontological shock. When reality is kind of pulled out from under you like a rug, and you're sort of left there with nothing to grab onto. Uh, in, in the, uh, experience or resource team, uh, we, we're all experts in this field, and, and we've Worked many cases like this. It's nothing new. Not new ground to us, and we've heard everything. And and this this phenomena runs the gamut. It's very very strange, and uh, and you can find help there. And it's the same thing. If you go to mufon.com and you click on uh, report an entity, it will take you to a questionnaire where you'll fill out 30 questions mm-hmm. and write a narrative of of what you've experienced and uh and someone will will call you back will get a hold of you and uh we we um, we're very good at what we do and uh you will be believed first of all it's we're non-judgmental that that's because this this uh what i found in this phenomena is that sometimes it has uh intentional absurdity built right into it it's almost like a signature line so somebody like for instance, I had a case where these two, uh, now adults but as children, they saw orbs, and then they came up to their window and they looked like happy faces. You know, have a nice yeah. day from the 1970s, and and this happened two nights in a row. And and this the the young girl had a, a, a lung ailment that was going to eventually be fatal for her, and she was actually healed by these kind of ridiculous-looking orbs with, you know, happy faces on them. Um, But, you know, I think that the phenomenon, it it kind of finds where people's comfort level is sometimes, or it it appears to people in a way that uh, perhaps wouldn't shock them, or sometimes it it intentionally shocks people to wake them up, I think.
1: Hmm. Yeah, certainly true. Now, one of the reasons that... I'm on the ERT is to consult on what are known as crossover phenomena. Things like, uh, we mentioned in the beginning, uh, someone who uh, have an abduction experience, and all of a sudden there's poltergeist phenomena going on, and there's things not usually associated with traditional UFO or ET experiences. So Denise Stoner and I, and, uh, we'll look at cases that come into in that regard. How common is it, in your experience, Earl, uh, to have a crossover phenomena?
0: Very, very in, common. It's yeah. very common. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's been, and this sort of thing's been happening for years and years. I mean, my friend, I, Dr. Irena Scott, She she's uh, an author and a, and a ufologist, Worked. Uh, yeah. uh, has written a couple of books about the Pascagoula case. Uh, yeah. And, uh, but but she and her sister had an encounter, uh, I believe it was in the late 60s or early 70s, and uh, they experienced missing time. It started out with seeing a craft. Uh, Irina actually ran up to the top of a hill with a camera to get a picture of this craft because it had windows, and she thought that she actually could see beings behind the windows of this thing. Uh, it looked a lot like the Betty and Barney Hill craft that they yeah. saw kind of like a large disk with this great observation window kind of wrapped around the whole thing. She ran up to the top of the hill, and then she couldn't remember anything for a half an hour, and she thinks that perhaps she was either taken or uh, visited or something. Uh, She said that when she got home, the first thing that happened, she walked into the bathroom and the electric toothbrush flew across the room and hit the wall, which mm-hmm. we usually associate with poltergeist activity. It's kind sure. of, the, yeah, Uh I'm not sure exactly why this happens, but uh, I do think that they use portal technology or something and it opens a door to other stuff. Maybe it has something to do with that or it's just something we don't understand, but. Yeah. Um, yeah, there is, you know, there there's paranormal-like activity that people experience after having an abduction or a visitation. Very, very
1: common. One recent development in MUFON that it kind of affected me was that uh, the word paranormal is kind of uh, a no-no. And, you know, <laughs> I, I get that. There is such baggage and nonsense associated with that word. You know, people turn on the TV and, you know, Dish falls off the table. Everybody screams and runs out. You know, that is not scientific. It's not systematic. So I get that. I prefer the word uh, high strangeness, the term. And other things that can be applied to these crossover phenomena that are more serious in in their intent. Uh, Ben, you want to jump in?
2: Yes. Um, I'm sorry. I'm just jotting down some notes. Um, There. I re- I really like this term that you brought up. Taking a quick half step back, intentional absurdity. Mm. I I think that that's a really interesting way of putting it, um, especially when it comes to anything really in in sort of you know, we just said paranormal is a no no word, but we're going to use it now. Um, <laughs> we- <laughs> you know, it's semantics. You can what we use with with
0: MUFON oftentimes, and, and I got this okayed by by our director of investigations, Steve Hudgens. Is you just, uh, hyphenate the word paranormal with paranormal like. Okay. Paranormal yeah, like. There you go. And, and okay. And that is perfectly okay. I asked him if that was okay, and he said, front of the, head of the class, or head of the class. So, it's, <laughs> I think that the whole thing is, is that they're, they're you know, currently meeting with Congress in, in a secured, uh, room in Washington, D.C., quarterly now. MUFON is. They're mm. presenting cases. And if something appears in there that, that's reminiscent of National Enquirer Fair, for instance. Right. Uh, perhaps they won't take it as seriously. So it's just, you know, watching the way that you you notate things, that's all.
2: No, I, I that that actually kinda let sort of is, is leading me in the direction I was I was heading in, because that does bring up an interesting point, this intentional absurdity, right? Where arguably, right, so let's let's say that all of all of these creatures beings entities whatever they're completely other right <laughs> something that's that's entirely separate from our human experience which is in itself important but the the problem that i think that everybody runs in, into in this field is is how it's experienced and interpreted because it's so outside the purview of what we understand it does come across as absurdism right and you know it, and it comes across in such a way that it's it's very hard to explain these things to people if we you know explaining that there were these weird goofy 70s-esque you know smiley faces that came and looked in somebody's window and <laughs> and then healed them it's like you you bring that to Congress you know what are they, what are they going to say about that right like i imagine that case wasn't presented to congress no, no i can imagine Probably. that it is oh. but it but it's it's but it's these weird things, right? That that seem like they're the they're not the norm, but in a sense, it kind of is in a, mm-hmm. in, a, in a backwards way. So by by looking at these experiences and and kind of breaking them down, they all kind of fit these these molds, these symbols that have kind of been throughout human history. And I th- I think that's the hard part in this whole understanding the experience portion of it. So I've, I've been trying to contend for the last you know couple of years or so that the problem with the paranormal isn't so much a scientific or philosophical one. It's a phenomenological one because yes. how we experience something is very different than how somebody else would experience it, depending on our background and how we understand it. So w- with all that being said, right, with all this crossover phenomena, how is MUFON – is MUFON attempting to interpret it or are they just attempting to catalog it? Hmm, that's a good
0: question. Uh, well, I know that I look for markers from case to case to case. So in a way, we do catalog things um, because, for instance, I mean, I have many cases where the military seems to have a bit more aggressive encounters than uh, civilians do. You know that with civilians, it's usually I'll see a UFO or even if they have an abduction or a visitation, it's it's usually, you know, there's, there's a calming message given to them, it's going to be okay, don't worry, we're going to, you know, th- this will be over soon, we're not going to harm you. Um, but I notice with military, sometimes it's almost as though they're trying to understand their motives, or maybe get us to understand our own motives. Uh, I think that... Uh, you know it's the dichotomy of the hear- the human experience where we can write love sonnets beautiful music and symphonies and then we can kill each other in mass <laughs> and war you know it's
2: true.
0: and I, I and i think that that we're probably a concern to whatever this intelligence is now i tend to lean more towards mm-hmm. this being primarily an interdimensional uh phenomenon uh i think that some of it may be interstellar uh, okay. some of it may be us from the future or from the, the far distant past, uh, is possible as well. But, uh, it, it seems to me, we, we see, I've seen from case to case and, and even, you know, I had a weird anomalous experience where, uh, what seemed to happen was a, a portal seemed to open up in, in my room for lack of, of better description. Maybe I should say a portal-like. Uh, <laughs> mm, you
2: see now, now we're getting the hang up. of
0: it <laughs> yeah yeah there you go and and uh, so I, I think that when you open up uh, if, if it's possible for things to pass from dimension to dimension and, and, and uh, physicists are saying now you know they're talking about there being nine different dimensions I kind of think the universe is more like a Mandelbrot fractal where it just mm. has tributaries and goes on forever and ever and and maybe all you know, we we have worlds that are almost like our own, but slight changes here, and it just keeps going on and on. Perhaps. Yep. Mm hmm. And and if something comes through, uh, it's no wonder if you open up a door to another world, uh, other stuff may come through as well. You know, a big hairy creature that beats tree trunks into each other, sure. you know, standing next to a UFO, you know, and that's the other, you know, it's like they, they want us to use scientific language, so you don't use the word Bigfoot, you, you just describe the, the creature, uh, because you're not going to find Bigfoot in, in your encyclopedia, or not at least not under, you know, accepted creatures that live in, in, in this right. world, so you describe it, I mean, I was a nurse for many years, and as a nurse, you're not allowed to diagnose. Mm-hmm. What you do is tabulate symptoms and you notate those. You don't say patient came in, you know, presenting measles. You just write down the the description of of, of the symptoms, and any doctor worth his weight, you know, in in whatever, is going to read that and he's going to know what you're talking about. And so I think that's kind of the way that we do it as well.
2: So I guess in that you know in that sort of vein, what are the common symptoms, if there are any commonalities between any of these crossover cases?
0: Well, the poltergeist-like uh, activity is, is a good one. Um, years ago, I, um, I, I I had a girlfriend who uh, had a UFO encounter when she was a little girl, and I, I knew about that, and she had experienced missing times when she was maybe like. 10 years old and she had these weird episodes where she was visited by these by these creatures now i thought that what was going on at first i thought it was just sleep paralysis but she wasn't paralyzed always you know it didn't really have all the signatures of that and this is you know back before i really understood uh, the ufo phenomenon uh but what i noticed was was when she would have these visitations that uh poltergeist activity would happen in her house and i thought that it was possibly uh, that she had a haunting or or some ill you know some spirit with uh you know some malevolence in it but uh i i spoke with her recently and i said you know I was thinking, you know, because you had that missing time uh, experience when you were a little girl and you, you had these entities visiting you. Uh, I'm, I'm starting to think that uh, we, even though, you know, it doesn't hurt to burn sage in the house and stuff, I'm starting to think that perhaps that wasn't, you know, poltergeist that you had. I think that, you know, when we watched the you know we we would watch the tv turn on by itself and the lights flicker and it just you know the the usual spooky stuff that you hear about in hauntings uh, i saw a uh, a painting that i did for her Uh fly like 7 feet you know it, it flew off the wall Uh and it wasn't an earth tremor or anything like that uh so yeah those are all like kind of people uh report that sort of thing.
1: Well, one of the things is uh, we're always griping about is that we put labels on things that we can understand and it might not reflect what's actually going on. Uh, For example, um, possible example, uh, in the ERT we we communicate all the time. We meet once a month. And uh, in a recent communication, one of the members... Uh, sent a uh, photo of marks on someone's body in a case he was dealing with. And uh, I uh, came late to the conversation, but I mentioned you must have perceived this too, that uh, I have found that marks on people's bodies in poltergeist cases very often will match, not always, but will match some of the marks that we see in the abduction cases mm-hmm. and I've, uh, I've uh, sat down with Bud Hopkins on that at one point and Kathy Martin and I have discussed it at length so um, the question is what's really happening here I mean, what are these things now, now uh, MUFON has a very uh, thorough uh, reporting system as you mentioned Earl and I think that uh, I may I've I, there's no time limit on it. So uh, I was going to mention the 1974 encounter in Bridgeport, in which I consider these poltergeists to be aliens. That is exactly how they came across. Mm-hmm. So I may hit the entity button there and uh, report that. So, <laughs> um, well, how would
0: you describe something like the Hopkinsville uh
1: cave? Oh, you know, it's amazing. Well, like well, well, little well, little why don't you tell right us, tell us about that? that?
0: Well, it was pretty much the, this, this uh, family. They were invaded by these little tiny creatures that looked sort of like gargoyles. They had big pointed ears, and the police were called out. And, I mean, other people apparently had seen it. The whole family, they weren't drunk.
1: 1951, uh, I believe, or 55. Yeah,
0: And And they were shooting at these things and uh it it seemed like bullets didn't affect them uh the, there was one uh that was up by the door, and the guy opened the door and shot it like point blank and it flipped over almost like you would, like in a video game yeah <laughs> and it was fu- you know it was there it was, and I mean it's so absurd. But um, this was a this was one of uh, Dr. J. Allen Hynek's favorite cases because it was just so strange.
1: Oh, it's one of ours, too. Uh, we've had Geraldine uh, uh, Stith on the show many times about this. She's uh, the uh, daughter of the family
2: oh, that well,
1: experienced fa- that, as you know. So, hmm. uh, amazing case. And every case seems to be unique. Mm-hmm. And one or more of its... Uh,
0: and absurdity to it. I mean, it's absurd. Uh, <laughs> one way they, the, the, the way the town tried to describe, they, they tried to make the case go away was they, they said, well, we think it was monkeys that got away from the circus.
1: Yeah, right. <laughs> there was no circus. One <laughs> yeah. of the things, too, is that uh, I really believe that what we get out of an experience like that depends on what we bring to it. Hmm. The military brings guns, Uh, And then the experiences I've had generally tend to be, uh, except for poltergeists or parasites as we call them, tend to be very positive. My my Bigfoot encounter in 2016 came after I had uh, meditated and put myself in a spiritual state. And it was a privilege to have that experience. A little girl uh, at that uh, came upon the same entity in broad daylight or something that seemed like it and uh, is so terrified she hasn't talked to us to this day. Mm-hmm. So I think we bring to it pretty much yes. what we get out of it.
0: Mm-hmm. So much so. So much so.
1: Can you tell us about some more cases? Sure.
0: <laughs> well, I had uh, one case where this gentleman, uh, he, he was a Marine. I can even, I mean, I've got. I thought you might want to talk about some of this stuff. Sure. So I even had the case loaded up, or I did. Hold on one second. Well,
2: I'll tell, I'll tell you what. Uh, uh, no, we do no. have we do have our break coming up, so we can give you a little bit of time to prepare quickly. <laughs> okay. But sure, you can go to break
0: if you want. It's, it's a good case. I've got two cases that are almost the same, but one it was the guy's the, the scariest thing he ever had happen to him, and for the other guy. It was the positive thing that ever happened well, for ooh. Then I guess we'll, we'll
2: we'll take our break real quickly, and then okay, we can, we can hop right into that.
1: You're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on WOON 1240 AM and 99.5 FM in New England's beautiful Blackstone River Valley. We'll be right back with Earl Gray Anderson. Hello, I'm Monique Charette Weekly, calling all classmates of Woonsocket High School, Class of 1978. Come help us celebrate our 45th reunion at Bella's Restaurant, Friday, September 15th, from 5 to 10. Looking forward to sharing memories and making new ones. Please call Linda at 401-766-3134.
2: Also, our Facebook page at Winsocket High School, Class of 1978. Hope to see you there.
0: <laughs> Local and live at 99.5 FM.
2: Hello and welcome back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Coming to you from WON, AM, and FM here in Woonsocket, Rhode Island. Here at this beautiful August day right here on the corner of Park Ave. And Kennedy Street, and we have Earl Gray Anderson with us, and we're going to hop into some very interesting cases that I did not need to take a break for him to prepare. Apparently, he was prepared. So, <laughs> take it away, Earl. I, 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 I was a Boy Scout
0: for a minute. You know, you're always supposed to be.
2: That's prepared. that's true. Almost like a, a child version of Semper Fi. <laughs> yes.
1: Or Zipper Parades Coast <laughs> Guard.
2: Gary. Mm. Okay, well,
0: speaking of Semper Fi, so th- this was a case I had that was uh, a. Just a, a Marine to the core. I mean, his, I was, I spoke with his wife, with his whole family, really, uh, because they lived him, the aftermath of what he had gone through. And they said, well, dad has PTSD, but not from going to Vietnam. He was an older veteran. He'd actually been to Vietnam. But it, this had happened back in, in uh, 1968. That uh, he was on uh, he he was on leave. It was you know his his weekend. He went to a party and they brought out a Ouija board and this scared him. He he had a, a background in, in Christianity and and he didn't do such things. So he left the party. He was he's kind of the guy called, referred to himself as kind of a motorhead. That he had a, a hot rod that he kind of souped up that he was very proud of. Um, he was driving back uh, to the base when he saw uh, something in the sky. Uh, he, he was wondering what the heck this was, and it, it, it just looked like this fireball with electricity. Suddenly, the dashboard of his car, his beloved hot rod, uh, had this Tesla coil-like electricity running uh, through all the controls, the dashboard and everything. He thought that it was some kind of terrible electric problem with the car. Car slowed down on its own. Uh, he couldn't start the car up again. So he got out and he popped the hood. Uh, and there was nothing wrong in there. Uh, but he heard this voice in his head that was just this, like, like a telepathic voice. He'd never experienced this before. And it told him, you need to go back to the base. You need to lie down. You're very tired. Um, the guy back, got back in his car and it darted right up. Went back to the base. He said, uh, I went to my buddy, asked me, uh, why I was going to bed so early. I went to bed with all my clothes on, on the top rack, covered myself with a blanket. Now, it was strange, as soon as I covered myself, maybe fifteen later, I felt like I was pulled up and then out through the ceiling. I'm not asleep. It was a strangest sensation. It was very physical, not my mind drifting off or anything like that. And I wound up in something odd like a dentist's office, except that it was all metallic and smooth. Uh, there was something that looked like a garage door, but it went sideways. It was on its side, and it opened up sideways like an accordion. Um, I'm going to go down here. and So he heard another voice. He said, at first I thought devil, since we've been playing with the Ouija board, but later I realized it was something way beyond. The voice that I heard was telepathic, and I saw creatures that had tiny mouths like slits. They couldn't speak with their mouths. The voice was in my mind, and it said, we have total control of your body. We can make you do whatever we need you to do. I told them, you can't, in my own mind. When all of a sudden I lost all control of myself, I couldn't move my arms, my feet, or anything. They left me in a standing position with some kind of a restraint, and I was standing straight up. I tried to turn and see what the entity looked like, and he said, don't try it, don't try and turn around. Uh, said all of a sudden it said we will now control your mind. <laughs> so th- this guy was was just being like treated very cruelly by by these entities, uh, and they, they eventually told him well we we got your mind and we're going to take your soul. And he said I felt like I wanted to fight. I was trying to turn my head. Uh, I could I could only move my eyes. The big creature who is in charge behind me. Uh, it's fine to turn my eyes and no, look at him, and he looked kind of like the, as you see, of tall aliens, only taller. I put him in my mind, and, uh, and he said that he started praying. At first that he, his initial reaction was fight or flight, and he couldn't run. <laughs> he was paralyzed. So he was trying to fight with them, and then that wasn't working. There was no way he could fight back, and so he started praying to into kind of more of a positive uh, kind of response, and that's when he suddenly found himself back in his barracks. He said, uh, "He said uh, I was covered in sweat. I was puddled on the floor from the top of my head to the soles of my shoes. Uh, I could have been run out. I had black splotches on my body." and red marks my bunkmate didn't want to see what i looked like I, my face was so contorted uh, he tried to keep me away from the mirror uh so this guy he he uh but after he had had this initial very scary experience he started having these dreams where they were benevolent he was taught how to actually fly a ufo he found himself flying over the uh, over the San Diego Naval uh, Base over here. You he could see the ships down below, and uh, what the heck? These, these guys were treating him like they were going to, you know, destroy him, you know. And uh, but I think that you know it was the response that he had. Maybe I don't know if they were trying to see how he would respond. If it was just you know like a test for themselves, or I, I kind of. Lean towards that they were trying to show him something about himself and uh, anger, and he responded. Uh, I have another case that came in that was uh, a little bit more. It, it was more recent. It was a guy who was in the Navy. He was an aircraft carrier, and he described the exact same uh, phenomena. This he, he and I hadn't made this case public. I mean, he he didn't know any of this stuff. But he described the same thing, going through, feeling uh, him going through the deck of this aircraft carrier. Uh, that that it was physical; it wasn't uh, out-of-body experience. He felt that his actual body somehow had been changed in some way. That uh, that the deck of an aircraft carrier was uh, permeable, and he lifted right through it. He found himself in low Earth orbit with these two. Uh, beings that were that were completely made of light and he said that it was the most beautiful experience he ever had but some of it didn't gel they showed him uh they they showed him the pacific rim uh volcanoes kind of blowing up and but the way that he reacted to it was was with compassion and with tears and and love for life and and humanity insane as this what's going to happen or is uh, is this like the christmas of uh, the ghost of christmas future it, it's hmm. a possibility uh he found himself back on the ship pretty much the same as the Marine did. Mm -hmm. Uh, Both of these guys were very, very deeply changed by their experiences. Uh, For the naval guy, uh, you know, for him it was the most benevolent thing in the world. He he felt Mm -hmm. grief because, he, he, you know, his family was Mm -hmm. not there, these, these two beings that he met, and he hopes that he'll meet them again someday. Uh, for the marine, uh, there was a, a change that I, I don't even know if he knew that he'd gone through this change, but he started with anger, with wanting to fight, and and, and uh, he wound up somewhere better than that, with a better response, uh, praying and 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 feeling powerless, but giving the situation to a higher power. Um, yeah,
1: well, we've done whole shows on the beautiful aspects of this stuff. But, um, you can call us what mary poppins uh called the kid there extremely stubborn and suspicious because we uh wonder about the trickster mm-hmm. uh, throughout human folklore is the notion of the trickster we find that, of course, in many poltergeist cases and the idea that uh whatever you're being told is it is what's telling you this. What it appears to be, is it truthful? Is there some kind of uh, problem from this? Uh, what say you, uh, how do you approach that whole issue of whether you can trust these things?
0: Well, there is a trickster element to it. And I think that it comes down to your own, uh, I don't know, we all have <clears throat> that gauge within ourselves, I think, to where with with myself uh, if something seems wrong if there's sort of like actually an e- a truly evil thing to it and I do think that there's things in this universe that are just evil to be evil um you have to have that kind of that internal monitor you know um yeah. and, and 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 I think that it kind of depends on the person but I, I I do feel though that uh As you're saying, you know, this trickster thing, uh, that that it seems like this intelligence is playing with us sometimes. Hmm. Uh, That's the way that I see it. I don't think that this is anything new, by the way. I'm I'm kind of like Jacques Valet. You know, his, his, uh, what was it, passage to Magonia? Magonia book is so wonderful. And I think that this phenomena has been here forever. I think that it, uh, presents itself in different manner, manner, depending on where we are, is how it presents itself to us. Uh, 1950s, we were entering the space age. Uh, it was very nuts and bolts. Uh, things are different today. We see things a little differently than we did in the 1950s. So it presents itself in a different way now. Yeah. But I think it's always been here with us. It's just my personal belief I, I could be wrong you
1: know no i i tend to agree I, yeah. As a matter of fact uh jacques valet is a real hero to me matter of me fact me when too. we interviewed him ben said dad it's the first time i ever saw you starstruck but
2: mm-hmm. uh it was a sight to behold let me tell you yeah <laughs> i'd be the same way i i, I you know
0: i have to Oral street, I got a call from Paul Heineck. He said, Hey Earl, what are you doing? I'm having lunch with Paul. I'm having lunch with Jacques Valet. Can oh, you geez. make it? And I was, I, I was literally bleeding from my mouth. <laughs> I, I, I was on pain meds and, and, and I couldn't even speak. I still had the Novocaine. It was like a two root canals. This happened oh. three months ago and I was so heartbroken. It was like, God, I, I don't want to bleed on, on, Dr. Valet, so I'm going to have <laughs> yeah. to tap out. I can do it. I was heartbroken. I, I hope that the opportunity comes up again because yeah, I, I love shop. I mean,
2: it, hey, it's a small world. You never know. Yeah, that,
1: that's true. So, um, as far as uh, a lot of cases, uh, what led me to Buffon eventually was running into UFOs, UAPs, and what were supposed to be ghost and poltergeist cases. Uh mm-hmm. when uh William J. Hall wrote his book on that nineteen seventy four uh Bridgeport, Connecticut case, the world's most haunted house, I said if I knew then what I think I know now, I would tell you to look around, find other houses that may be having problems and look look at the UFO reports for that area at mm-hmm. that time. And uh, you know, at that period it was kind of I uh, like it. Sparse. But uh, <laughs> so sure good. enough, he found a bunch and, uh, you know, corresponding. Now, what the relationship might have been, I don't know. But these four things I faced in that house with the family were alien beings in mm. a broad sense of the term. I never got over that. You wow. know, it was supposed to be demons, you know, that was our approach. And yeah. I was still studying for the priesthood. So... Well, well, that's
0: an easy way out, Bulb. So there, there's that certain constituency of people now that that I, I hear it a lot. You know, they aren't really aliens; they're demons, and it's the bulls' work. And and that's no, it doesn't actually. That's uh.
1: no, I think it's the opposite. Because <laughs> people yeah. hear about my seminary background, they say, "Oh, you must think all aliens, aliens are demons." I said, "Well, the quote-unquote demons I've run into are aliens." <laughs> you know and that that 's our term for something that we don 't understand it may or may not be yeah. correct, but uh as far as being totally other that 's kind of what it was
0: right it is totally other that's it, and we try to you know, this is just something that humans do. We, we try to humanize stuff. We, yeah, we we're, do. we're so uh, anthropomorphic in, yep. in the way that we, in anthropocentric, the way that we see everything. Well, yeah. uh, but this doesn't have anything to do with uh, humanity. I think it's much an other. And this other intelligence is uh, interacting with us and it's communicating with us. I, I think it always has tried to do that. Yeah. But
1: mm. uh, what's this is the way it does about- now the government approach is that uh, we always find government interest in all areas of high strangeness, not just UAPs UFOs in the flap areas we're always talking about we always find some kind of presence of the military as something that looks like the military and Hmm. uh, to me I think they know a lot more than they're letting on and they're would also like to research the principles involved in this interdimensionality, if that's what it is, uh, for military and commercial use. Mm-hmm. Don't underestimate the interest of industry here, too. So yeah.
2: it's because a,
1: they're the only ones that have any money now, so. <laughs> well,
0: yeah, that could be. Well, yeah. I mean, the military. They, they, I mean, they, they have two interests. I mean, we pay them to be uh, paranoid for us. They're doing True. their job. The military. Yeah, that's, that's their job is to be paranoid for us, and <laughs> and everything they they see it through. Two pairs of glasses. You know, how can we weaponize this? And is this a threat? It's all threat assessment, and how can we use this to be more powerful than our enemies? Uh, very limited, but uh, <laughs> I, I don't know that the military is the right folks to be ahead of uh, mm. uh, investigating UFO. So you know, here we go. You know, it's Kong congressional hearings. Talking with who? The Pentagon people in the military industrial complex, which my mom was part of. My mom was oh, yeah. very much part of that. And uh and she knew UFOs were real. Um and and she knew that uh they were visitors that that uh they had been here for a while. Uh <laughs> yeah. Now and, let and, me ask uh, you
1: this Earl uh, when it comes to what we know versus what we knew and speaking from Yupon's point of view, do we know any more than we did in say nineteen forty seven with the Kenneth Arnold and Roswell and all that? Do we really know any more today than we did then?
0: You know that's a good question, and, and I think some of that we probably can't know unless uh, there is technologies that that we have been able to mimic or or uh, you know I mean they're talking about crash materials. I think that those are actual materials. I, I, I don't believe that this is that we're dealing with ghosts when we're talking about aliens. I think it's mm-hmm. very f- much physical it has certain aspects that we would uh that that we would sort of associate with ghosts and and the paranormal yeah, but then indeed. there's the physical element to it it's it's very physical so um i, I don't know you know i mean maybe uh, i mean the black triangles we see a lot of those they always seem to be kind of cookie cutter like they look the same uh, even flying saucers you'll see like different you know light schemes to them and, and, and differences. But uh, I, I tend to th- sort of think that perhaps somebody like Lockheed Martin is, is pumping out the, the black triangles, and maybe that's our, uh, our own uh, UF there. So, I kind of hope if, if, I mean, if we do have these physical crash materials that perhaps it was like a Trojan horse thing, that they, they were, uh, that the, the crashes were, were purposeful, that were, they want, are hoping that we can, uh, you know, solve some of our problems and, and, and maybe get to their technological level eventually. But I think there may be a concern with us because we're way up here with our technology, and but yet we're still acting like a bunch of warriors, you know, a warrior cast, um, yeah, and, and maybe really... trying to change us. Since we're ready to enter the space age, uh, maybe we're not space worthy yet. We're we're a threat out there, and uh, and maybe that's part of what's going on. I mean, I I I have to keep an open mind. I, I never say this is what is happening unequivocally because i don't know i mean in fact i don't think i would be doing due diligence as a field investigator if i you know came upon one i uh, and latched on to that and said this is it yeah. i honestly don't know we're supposed to keep an open mind but not so open that our brain falls out
1: right but i
0: but you know would that Saying that we have to keep it very, very open because I do believe there's an intentional absurdity uh, that that is like a signature line. Uh, mm-hmm. If there isn't some sort of absurd thing about a case, I sometimes will even wonder if it's a hoax or not, you know, <laughs> because it's very weird and it seems like a signature line to it's me. It's true.
2: It can get really, it can get really weird, and I, mm-hmm. I think. There's, that that's a really interesting statement because usually you know usually people you know when the technology thing comes up it's like oh they want to help us they want us to get they they want us to get to where they are it's like a real real two thousand one space odyssey situation <laughs> but i i think i think that's a really interesting stipulation that sure yeah we have all this technology but are we really ready for it yeah that's <laughs> a, that's a Re- reoccurring theme throughout human mythology, right? Like a Prometheus type situation. You know, we yeah. have all these things that are given to us, but can we, can we, can we really use it? You know, responsibly. And arguably, uh, I, I would, I would say, I don't know if we're really at that point because there's, there's a certain, there's always a dichotomy, right? There's always mm-hmm. the people like, well, it's technology, 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 advanced, 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 and then there's the other side of the coin, which is morally and spiritually, right? And yes. never the twain shall meet, and <laughs> in in this instance, I, I think it's important that they do because there requires discernment in in how we use our tools. Building tools for the sake of building tools is just you know it, it's it's insane, right? You, then then you get sure. you get you know. Situations like the atomic bomb, where it's like, well, I really shouldn't make this weapon, and then you do it anyway. <laughs> like, no, yeah. no, no, offense to Oppenheimer, but it's yeah, like,
0: I, I got you. I, I absolutely agree with you, and there does seem to be some concern about our nuclear, you know, capabilities. I mean, they've turned off ICBMs. Uh, you know, the Malmstrom case that Bob Solis, when he was the commanding officer. Uh, of an ICBM base in Montana. He watched his uh, flying saucer was hovering over. He was down in the capsule below in the underground part of the facility. And it was like, it was very specific. It wasn't like an electronic pulse that was sent in there by this UFO. It, the clock kept working. Everything that was electric, uh, that the, the the base kind of ran on, was all working properly, but the missiles specifically. Ten of them. It was like boop, 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 boop. They're all turned off. Uh, same thing happened uh, over in North Dakota. Uh, David Shindley, he was the commanding officer of a similar base out there. Uh, and the same thing happened uh, a few months later. I've spoken with both gentlemen. I've had dinner and <laughs> talked, you know, it, it, you know, details about those two incidents. Very similar. And perhaps it is that this intelligence, uh, it, it, once Star Trek and not Star Wars, mm. uh, yeah. militaristic. And maybe it's just trying to shift that and show us the error of our ways and, and, and showing us that if we want to be part of, this community that may be interdimensional or maybe interstellar, whatever it is, uh, that we, we need to change something very deeply within uh, ourselves.
1: Well, one of the things that, uh, one of my favorite quotes from uh, the late Stanton Friedman is, uh, and he said it on this show, was, um, we are a primitive people whose primary activity is tribal warfare, mm. why would they want to talk to us? Which raises the question would they consider us a day being whoever these aliens may be? Would they consider us the equals in order you know, and why?
2: Mm. In the sense yeah. of
1: negotiating or guiding or whatever. Or is or is it the trickster aspect entering in again?
0: I I don't know, but I would say I I kind of hope that they, it seems like if they're taking all this trouble to interact with us that they think that there is hope for us. I don't think this is their first rodeo. I don't think that we're the only intelligence in the universe that's uh, gotten to this point that we have gotten to where, Mm. you know, we can destroy ourselves or we could make life better for everyone on earth. We have the capabilities of doing either or, but here we are. We're still acting like Genghis Khan and, you know, bloody horde of, you know, marauders. And, yeah. and I think perhaps they're trying to change something within our our deepest souls as a species. I hope so. That's what I hope the intent is.
1: So tell us about yourself. Where can people find out more about you and move on in the ERT?
0: Uh, if you go to, uh, once again, I will lead people to, uh, com. Uh, you can, you can go to, we yeah, the ERT does have a page there and it has a little bio on, on everybody, uh, in our group. We, we're getting kind of a big little, a big ERT group. It's yeah not a little group anymore. No, no,
1: it's, it's <laughs> ma- there's
0: 75 or more of us now yeah. and, and, and the cases keep coming. I mean, it's, we're always busy so but mufon.com is a good place to go uh it's a good place for you to go and and report your sighting or your entity encounter if you've been abducted or vid that's where to go um i you can find me on social media i'm just earl gray on facebook uh i'm earl gray anderson on instagram although i don't do a whole lot of stuff on there but i a little bit uh, I will dox myself if you want to get a hold of me, per- you know, personally, you can, uh, you can email me at earlgrayanderson at gmail.com. And that's gray with an E and Anderson with an O.
1: Very good. Well, I have to tell you, Earl, uh, it's always a pleasure and an honor to talk with you. And uh, we'll see you at the next CRT meeting.
0: Fantastic. Thanks for having me, uh, Paul. And thank you, Ben. You guys are great.
2: Oh well, hey, thank you for being Chip with us, spear. Hey, you know, <laughs> we're, it's it's a small world, and we enjoy having the people <laughs> in that small world.
0: You're not going to sing that song, are you?
2: It's a, no. <laughs> no.
0: no, 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 no. We
2: would get destroyed we
1: get by. Travel, yeah. <laughs> a, get sued.
2: trademark infringement. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Well, I guess speaking of, of trademark infringement, we should probably get to our announcements here. Um, So if you're anywhere in or around New England, uh, you can take in the Exeter UFO Festival that's on Labor Day weekend coming up in a few short weeks. That's September 2nd and 3rd uh the event benefits local children's charities and uh, sadly we have had to bow out this year uh because of my dad's health uh but please go and support the event if you can it's wonderful the whole town gets involved there's a dog costume contest it's it's a it's it's really just a a, a wonderful event and and it's you can find out more about it at exeterufofestival.org And the Greater New England UFO Conference is back, uh, and this will be a a one-day event on November 4th in Leominster, Massachusetts. Uh, You can watch for more information on that. And you can visit our show website, that's BehindTheParanormal.com. Where you can find nearly 1,200 hours of our regular shows and special broadcasts since 2008 from CBS Radio, Achieve Radio, and here on W O O N A M and FM. You can also hear many of these broadcasts on the major podcast platforms, including uh, Apple iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube. Anywhere you find your podcasts, we will be there.
1: Yeah, that's kind of scary. Uh, Download our show app. It's free at BehindTheParanormal.com on that main page. You can browse our books along with those
2: of our guest co-hosts. Indeed. And our website has a charity page with several links to uh, good causes that we've adopted over the years, including Hope for Hildale Cemetery in Haverhill, Massachusetts, USA Cares, Canadian Veterans Advocacy, Helping Haiti's Orphans, the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation of America, and the Sisterhood of Ground Zero. So what's in the crypt for next week, Ben? (laughs) Well, me being the crypt keeper this week, apparently. On August 13th, uh, we bring you an open line show to address more of your wide and varied questions on many different paranormal subjects. And guess who's back? Shane Searway will be with us once again. And it's been a very long time since we've had him on, since he took a little hiatus. For a very
1: unusual reason.
2: Oh, yes. And (laughs) I'm I'm sure he will fill us in on all of
1: that. So we leave you today with a rather dark thought from our good friend and occasional guest, Whitley Strieber. The old world was destroyed because of its own greed and secretiveness. Those least evolved rose to the top. I'm Paul Eno.
2: And I'm Ben Eno. And thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey. And we shall see you next time on Behind the Paranormal.
0: Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now. For another edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.